Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. All revivals throughout history have one thing in common, and it's not a magnetic preacher that moved from another state that has the ability to influence people. It's not a killer kids and student ministry that brings in all the young families, because that's the focus for a lot of churches, and it's a good focus, but let's make sure that we're focusing on the young families and bringing in all the young families that actually wasn't there. It's not an energetic worship leader with all the right musicians and all the charisma and the way to get everybody involved. It's not because they hired a creative director to blast amazing content on social media. It's not because they brought in the right consultants or the right people to show them how to do church. All revivals throughout history have this in common. It's prayer, corporate prayer, praying together as a church or praying together as a body of people. During the Wesleyan revivals that gave growth to global Methodism, George Whitfield was quoted as saying this, it was a Pentecostal season indeed. Sometimes whole nights were spent in prayer. Often we had been filled with new wine, and often we saw them, the people, filled with a divine presence. In 1857, a prayer revival swept across America that would eventually be known as the Third Great Awakening. Multitudes of people were drawn in by this invisible force, and they gathered daily in churches, halls, fire stations, and auditoriums to pour their hearts out to God. Not simply attend church, not go through the motions that we go through every Sunday. We had our service, the service was great. Now let's move on to the next thing, but to actually pour their hearts out to God. There were a lot of great results of this, including the abolishment of American slavery. Prayer changes things. In fact, prayer changes everything in the life of the church. Every uh, spring and fall, we take four to ten weeks to focus on a spiritual discipline. Giving, worship, serving, scripture reading, prayer, silence and solitude, fasting, whatever it may be. And this incorporates with our first core value here, which is formation to become students of Jesus. Our desire as disciple makers is to help you become students of Jesus because that is the ultimate goal. A theme that we have going on through this practice this year is this. Our vision will never come to fruition 
And our church will never be the church that it's supposed to be until we learn to pray passionately. And we've talked a little bit about what that means to pray passionately. So our our focus this spring, what we've been talking about, this is the final week, this is the sixth week, is in fact prayer. And this is where we've been. If it's your first time here, you've just hit a couple messages, you can get these on the podcast. Week one, the right kind of prayer which we talked about as being your will be done. That's really the focus of what we need to take every prayer in that direction, your will be done in this situation. Week two, prayer should be simple. Week three, prayer should be relational. Week four, prayer should be directional. And then last week, I gave you guys this technique or this method for praying the Bible. So our focus today, what we're gonna talk about in our final week is what it actually means to be a praying church. What does it mean to be a church that prays together? What does it mean to be a church that lifts up the name of Jesus in all areas of their lives in a posture of prayer and to learn the importance of doing that together? So prior to our passage today, if you have your Bible and you want to turn to Ephesians, you can. Ephesians chapter 6, if you want to look up on the screen That's fine too. That's where we're going to be. So prior to our passage, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, is talking to the church in Ephesus about putting on what he calls the full armor of God. Paul was likely at this time riding under house arrest in Rome. So he understood the persecution that was going on in the church. He understood it, in fact, as well as anybody. And also what the church was going to face in the future, what you guys were going to face. And that's why we go to this full armor of God passage as often as we do. And at the conclusion of this full armor portion of the letter, he writes this, just three verses today. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 18, 19, and 20. This is what he says, offer prayers and petitions in the spirit all the time. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. As for me, pray that when I open my mouth, I'll get a message that confidently makes this secret plan of the gospel known. I am an ambassador in chain chains for the sake of the gospel. Pray so that the Lord will give me the confidence to say what it is that I need to say. So Paul is emphasizing the importance and the dynamic of a praying church because that's what this group in Ephesus is and it's what they're further becoming is a praying church that's learning the importance of this together. So here's a few things that are important as we close out this practice. My hope and my prayer is that you have learned a lot. We talked last week a lot about distraction, that there is a way to deal with distraction in your prayer life. Kind of the same old mumbling, the same things over and over. You find yourself driving down the road. You find yourself in bed at night. You find yourself in a lot of trouble, whatever it might be, that we're praying these these, these same kinds of prayers over and over. And after about 30 seconds, we don't even really recognize or realize what we're saying anymore. We're completely lost by distraction. We're completely discouraged because we feel like God is not listening. And this is the position that we find ourselves in. 
So what we really want to focus on today with some of these hurdles that hopefully you've been able to at least start to attempt to overcome is what it means to be a church that prays together in the sense that we see this great revival movement in the 1700s, 1800s, certainly in the 20th century as well, and much earlier on in church history. How does Believer's Church carry that? Listen, guys, I'm telling you, I know this. We're very close. We are very, very close to being there. But if it's not fueled by prayer, if it's not moved and started by prayer, there are no gimmicks. There are no special things that we can do to cultivate the Spirit of God the way that we will see whenever we are passionately praying people. So what is it that Paul is teaching us this morning? And this, again, a lot of times we've looked at individual stuff. What we're focusing on is what it means to pray together as a church. Number one, a praying church prays constantly. They pray all the time. They pray every single day in every situation that we go into in our lives, good and bad, we are praying. Whenever we are together as a corporate body, we are praying together. This is what Paul says in the first part of 18. Offer prayers and petitions in the Spirit. How often? All the time, all the time, offer prayers and petition. He understands the persecution. He understands, as he was talking about this full armor of God, spiritual warfare. He's also piggybacking off of our first point, the first day, we have to pray, His will be done in everything that we do. But this is centralized on the importance of making sure that we are praying at all times. So this is the last Sunday of Lent. So our prayer calendar that we followed for Lent officially ends today. But this doesn't mean that a church stops praying. This doesn't mean that we find ourselves in a position in which prayer is not still the central part of our lives. You're struggling with something? Stop and pray about it. You feel grateful for something? Stop and pray about it. You're confused about a decision that you need to make? Stop and pray about it. Pray at all times. Grab a brother or a sister in this church, someone that you know is struggling, as we did a few weeks ago and will continue to do. Wrap your arms around that person and pray. It's the best possible thing that you can do for them. So something I want to encourage you guys to do, we are going to continue, and some of you don't even know that this is going on, even though it's been mentioned several times, something that we are going to continue to do from 9 to 9.30 in the morning on Sundays in our nursery, we are going to continue to pray for the Holy Spirit to fall. You can come in at any time. So if this is kind of an intimidating thing for you, am I going to have to pray out loud? Am I going to have to pray with a group of people? This is something that I've never done before. You come in at 9, 12, find your own little space to pray, lift up Jesus, and then you walk out at 9, 14, 9, 29, whenever, okay? There's no rules with this. But if you need that quiet space, if you want God to show up, if you know that you came into church with a sin or a burden very heavy on your heart, this space is open. And I believe that room back there is going to change this room in here. And that's what has to happen. So this is what I'm encouraging a lot of you to do, is to pay attention to this time to pray together so that we are seeking God. Because isn't this the way it is for most of us? We're not praying together as a church. We're arguing with our spouse in the car. 
or we're texting someone, we're thinking about the really, really stupid things that we did on Saturday night. We're really frustrated because we got angry with someone and then all of a sudden we're trying to go to church. So we feel like we're wearing that hypocrite label. Make it right that morning in the parking lot back there. Make it right and come in here free. As free as you can possibly be, possibly be as free as you will ever be. So I'm not talking about like the casual nighttime prayers. All right, and there's nothing wrong with those. All right, they're, they're, they're a part of a lot of our lives. I'm not talking about the prayer driving down the road. I'm talking about taking the time to pull yourself away from every other activity, especially in this corporate setting that we're talking about with the church. The kind of prayers that I'm talking about are what Whitfield described. He said it this way, new wineskins that hold new expressions of Jesus that will make the old wineskins burst. I love that statement. I'm going to read it one more time. New wineskins that hold new expressions of Jesus. I've been a Christian for a long time. I need new expressions of Jesus. I need new expressions of Jesus every single day. I need to learn how to forgive people in my life. I need to learn how to make peace with situations. I need to learn how to worship again if I've been in a rut. I need to learn how to be the husband and the dad and the friend and all of these things that I need to be. And this is solved and this is found in a corporate prayer life. There is something about praying by myself at home, here very often, that is wonderful. But when I pull a few of you together with me, the heavens move. The heavens literally move. The attitude that the majority of people have is that God can't answer my prayers. I don't feel that God really hears me whenever I'm praying. I don't know why God won't answer my prayers. How many times in your life have you grabbed two or three people or have you been at this altar, several of you have now at this point, with a large group of people with us crying out to God and watching him move? This should be our posture as a church every single time we are together. So the bottom line is this. If God works through prayer, if that is true, then we better be working on our praying. We need to give a lot less focus to the things that we are giving focus to. You know, the kind of things that pastors and, and, and worship leaders and teams start to think about is, how do we grow the church? How do we do this? How do we do that? How do we put all these things together? And we're not even going before God in intentional prayer. And you see why some of the mistakes and some of the, the hardships and some of the troubles actually happen as a result. So I have a confession to make, and this is not easy for me to admit, but my first few years in ministry, I undervalued the power of prayer and the need for prayer and overvalued the need to be culturally relevant. Now, let me explain what that means. I undervalued going before God in every situation in my life, expecting Him to move our church in the right direction, 
and overvalued our approach as a church to try to get people in the doors. And if we had a lot of pastors standing on this stage right now, they could tell you the exact same thing. And God help us if this is our posture, if this is our position long term, because nothing can take the place of prayer. Second thing that I want you to notice is that a praying church prays specifically, not just constantly, but they pray very specifically. This is what verses 18 and 19 tell us. They say this, stay alert. I love the way the Common English English Bible says this, stay alert by hanging in there. And sometimes that's what we need to be able to do. We just need to be able to hang in there. Like we're barely in there, but we need to be able to hang in there. As for me, this is Paul, pray that when I open my mouth, I'll get a message that confidently makes the secret plan of the gospel known. I love the way that he says that. As for me, when I open my mouth, what comes out of my mouth, that I'll get a message that confidently makes the secret plan of the gospel known. So Paul is suggesting that the church in Ephesus should pray specifically. There are specific things that we should be praying for beyond, hope I have a good day, hope everything works out at work, hope this relationship works out, much more specifically as far as the kingdom is concerned. He's actually asking the church in Ephesus to pray for two things for him. First, he's saying, pray for other believers. All right, that's something that he says. You need to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ that they are lifted up despite this persecution, despite all these things that are going on. Make sure that you're praying for them. And I'm going to tell you something. You may not like someone in this room. You need to get over it right now. And you need to learn the importance of praying for that individual. In fact, you need to go further. You need to learn the servanthood of what it it means metaphorically to wash that person's feet. So praying for other believers, keep in mind, we are in this together. We are in this together. Family members, friends, people that went to church for a long time, new people, we are in this together. So he says, pray for other believers, but he also says, pray for me. How humble is that? How often do you, just a lot of pastors kind of on their pedestals in these places, well, I really need you to pray for me. No, we're we're often responsible for being the ones to pray for other people. But Paul is saying, please pray for me. He's going to place more emphasis on this a little bit later. But often we're the product of what we've already talked about, especially last week, of these kind of general mindless prayers. And please hear me, your prayer life has to grow past this. It has to. It's prayers like this. Pray for me to do a good job today. Uh, Be with my dog. Uh, Help my sister. Uh, we, don't, we don't even know what we're saying most of the time. It's like this mumbling just starts to come out. And you can pray for your dog. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is there's this mumbling that just comes out. And then all of a sudden, we don't even finish. We don't even say amen. We like, turn the radio up or we, we go to our next task before we even recognize that the prayer is really over. So how can we pray these specific prayers? How can we be intentional about specific prayers? We can pray that no one leaves this place today without knowing Jesus. We can pray that. Did you know we can pray that? Did you know that we can pray that with confidence? You know, it's never going to bother me if someone in the middle of me preaching or in the middle of a worship song comes up here and needs to pray. 
As long as you're not super loud, I guess that could be distracting if you pray that way. And I'm trying to preach. That might, that might be a little bit. I might just get down and pray with you if that's the case. But if you need to come down, what, what are we if we're not that? What are we if people don't have the ability after a hard week, after going through a difficult relationship with their child, after losing their job, whatever it looks like, who are we if we can't open up this altar 24-7 for prayer? I think we're so confused about what the church is supposed to be. I think we're so confused about who we are supposed to be as kingdom people. We can pray that no one leaves this place today without knowing Jesus. We can pray for the poor and the suffering that live within a few miles of this church, the, the forms of abuse that may be going on, uh, drug addiction, poverty, struggles, people surrounding us. This is what Jesus would pray for. Uh, we can pray that God will bring revival to our church. We can pray that whenever our people from Green Tech come down on Mondays, that there is something that we say or there is something that we do whenever we're feeding them that leaves a gospel initiative, a gospel change, something in their hearts that they're able to leave with. We can pray for the leaders of our church. Your leaders of this church would greatly appreciate that. We can pray for those right now that are going through spiritual warfare and spiritual attack. I have no doubt in a room this size that some of you are in marriages, or you're in relationships, you're in struggles that are really, really hard. You have to keep in mind, I went to church for a long time, about four or five years before really coming clean in repentance in my 30s, where I was able to hide a lot of stuff. And there were times that I went into church and my, my heart and my mind were so heavy that it took everything within me to even be able to sit through a service. We can pray our, our vision prayers, our good ground prayers for 2022. What are they? A prayer for the Holy Spirit to invade and take over this place. Pray for a heart for multiplication in this place so that we will start sending out teams to plant new churches. P prayers for whoever this first pastor is going to be whenever we start sending people out. Praying for this location, wherever it may be. We can pray for these things. We can pray very specifically, and we can pray intentionally. So wh why did Paul believe in this? Because he knew it worked. Because he knew at this point in his ministry, he knew what the relationships that he had seen reunited. He knew what the persecution and the suffering that the church continued, that every time that you tried to kill a people group out, it would spread and spread and spread. He prayed with authority. That's different prayer. That's not helped me do good on my test. That's not help, help ma'am all during her leg surgery. All good prayers. But this is next level praying. This is praying and expecting a miracle. This is praying and expecting God to come through. You said you would do it. And you've done it over and over and over again. How could I not trust you? How can I not trust that you're going to come through? I'm here today because you've taken care of me. And you can't take care of this addiction? And you can't put this marriage back together? We're unbelieving people that don't really understand what it means to pray with great passion. 
And then the last thing I want you to recognize is, is a praying church, and I love this one. You have to love this one as a pastor. Praise for the mission to thrive. Always praying for the mission to thrive. I'm not going to ask you guys what our mission statement is because I might be embarrassed if there are crickets in the room. But we are here and we exist to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. Broken can mean so many different things. Broken means poor. Broken means addicted. Broken means greedy. Broken means sick. Broken means insecure. Broken means anxiety disorder. Broken means depression. Broken means atheist. Broken means so many different things. And not just to get people in for a salvation experience, but to make devoted followers of Jesus. Paul is so focused on the mission. He's thinking about the mission all of the time. And what does the church need to thrive? This is what he says in verse 20. I am an ambassador in chains for the sake of the gospel. He sees himself as a servant and prisoner of Christ. Pray so that the Lord will give me the confidence to say what I need to say. You think at this point, Paul might have a pretty good amount of confidence. You would think at this point, Paul is probably in a pretty good place. No, because the follower of Jesus is not going higher. They're always going lower. It's about downward mobility. It's about humility. It's about constantly seeing your need for more Jesus. Pray for me so that the Lord will give me the confidence to say what I have to say. I ask you humbly as your pastor, pray for me to have the confidence to say what it is that I need to say. I find it interesting that Paul asked this prayer for confidence twice. In the NIV, Paul asked twice to be able to share fearlessly because of all the persecution that's going on. Keep in mind that I mentioned that during this period of time, it's very likely that Paul is writing this letter under house arrest. And in the first century, there were a lot of consequences for sharing the gospel. It's not like it is today. Some of you may feel that you're losing your freedom. As American Christians, I can promise you we're in a place meeting right now sharing the gospel. It's a very different world than what you see in the first century. Read about Stephen sometime, right after he's appointed a deacon. Read, read the book of Acts sometime about the persecution that happens with these, with these early followers. Saying, pray for me so that I will make the gospel known. Paul wanted the mission to thrive, and he believed the mission would thrive through prayer not programs. If we can just get the right kids program, if we can just get the right curriculum for this Bible study, if we can just nail social media, if we can just get that really, really good preacher from down the road that just resigned from the other place, they'll make all our problems go away. This church is put together in this moment because of prayer. This church has thrived through a tremendous amount of adversity because of prayer and, and nothing else. No one person, that's for sure. So you know what he didn't say? If I start listening to that right church growth podcast, it's going to happen. 
I'll make the gospel known. If we play that new worship song at the close of the service, that's the cue. We'll make the gospel known. If we can do this or we can do that, we can make the gospel known. No, he said, pray for me so that the gospel will be known. Pray for me. I need it. If you pray for me, the gospel's going to be known. And it's going to empower the rest of the church in Ephesus. The gospel will be known. If you will be committed to prayer, prayer together. Prayer together. How often does this actually happen? That the church prays together for the mission to thrive. Rarely ever. Listen, podcasts are great. I use my entire Almost my entire Kentucky drive for podcasts. New strategies are great, but they are not a substitute for prayer. Having the right church staff, man, that's really, really important. But it's not a substitute for prayer. So here it is today. If your child is in an accident... You're going to pray with urgency. You're probably going to ask other people too as well. You know the Facebook status. Calling all, calling all prayer warriors. If your marriage is falling apart, you are going to pray with urgency. If you lose your job and then you recognize you're in a difficult place as far as paying your bills, you are going to pray with urgency. If you're in the middle of a panic attack, if you can't get, can't get out of bed because of the weight of depression, you are going to pray with urgency. So get this today. The key to being a praying church is to pray with a sense of urgency before the urgent occurs. To proceed emergency, to proceed, to go before emergency with a life that is wide open to the endless possibilities of God. God can heal your marriage. God can make you whole. God can take your brokenness. And he is going to create a story that you never could have imagined. And this is accomplished in one way. Prayer. You say, well, I had these things. It worked out for me and I never prayed. I promise you, people were praying for you. And some people were praying for you on their, they were wearing the carpet out with how much they were praying for you. Here it is. Paul says it one last time. Pray that when I open my mouth, I'll get a message that confidently makes the secret plan of the gospel known. Pray for me so that I can get a message that's going to stir everything up inside. It's going to take these Gentiles, these Sadducees, these Hellenists, all of these people of this eclectic world in Ephesus, that when I come up to them, 
they're not going to know what hit them. Because I've been prayed over by the saints. Believers Church, I'm addressing everyone in here today and everyone listening online as we close this practice. We are not limited by location. We are not limited by finances, size, ability, or history. We are only limited by our unwillingness to cry out for the confidence to make the gospel known. Everything that we need, the power of God, the cleansing renewal of the Holy Spirit, beginning a brand new life at 54, starting over completely at 62, taking a 15-year-old marriage, a 15-year marriage that is on the rocks, taking a strong history of addiction that feels so overpowering. Everything can be made new today. You see, what we have is here. The question is, will we access that power? With all heads, heads bowed and all eyes closed, What I'd like to ask you guys to do today, if you desire for our mission to thrive, if it's a prayer in your heart as we close this practice and you see, I've not been praying urgently. That passion is simply not there. Whenever we start here in just a minute or, or even right now, I want to welcome you guys to come down and pray. If you're in here today and your marriage is in a place that is broken, you have a child that is struggling. You have a place that you need to bring to God, some things that you need to bring to God. There is power whenever we pray together. As people are already starting to come down, I want to invite you to come down as I close this in prayer. Father, we lift you up. We thank you for this day. God, I pray that you turn us into deeply passionate praying people that we're able to put everything else to the side, God, and that you give us a new faith energy, God, that next level praying so that, Father, souls are healed in this place on this very day by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the freedom that is in the Son that we are celebrating, God, that you break strong chains of anxiety, of fear, of insecurity, of doubt. Father, if we have teenagers that are in here today just trying to make sense of all the mess that they go through, Father, help them to pour their hearts and their lives out to you, God, as we talk about the mission of our church to help broken people come devoted followers of Jesus. Father, the formula is here. You've given it to us, God. We just need to be able to pray it out loud to you, Father, and then, and then be able to trust that the work is something that you are going to do. God, for every broken heart that's in here right now, every place of struggle, every area of guilt, Father, we lay that at the foot of the cross for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church Podcast. 
Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.